Welcome to Cartoonist Kayfabe. My name is Ed Piskor. I'm Jim Rugg. And I'm Brian Moss. And we're going to be looking at Brian Moss's uh, miscellaneous art collection. But first, these videos are brought to you by the comic books that we make on the stand right now. Jimmy has Hulk, Grand Design, Monster, and Madness in two-issue uh, format. But you know it's getting that Marvel Treasury Edition uh, collection in early 2023. Street Angel Deadliest Girl Alive trade paperback is back in stores. The reprint is out there. You have no excuse not to have this book on your bookshelf. B. Moss, who is kindly enough to hook us up with this uh, tremendous art collection, has a couple of things out there that you need to get your hands on, man. Outer Heaven, number one. Uh, search for it on Etsy. Hit up Brian Moss on Instagram, Strange Things Moss. You're going to be able to get this comic. Or uh, Eightfold Path uh, from Abrams. Uh, Brian illustrated this book, and it is fantastic. Red Room Trigger Warnings, Red Room the Anti-Social Network, trade paperbacks are in stores as we speak, both completely self-contained. Uh, so if you see an issue, grab an issue. If you see a book, grab a book. You're going to get a full experience. And now that we're done paying the bills, let's lead off with this James O'Barr piece. <laughs> 2007, Catwoman, Snowball's Catland. What does that mean, man? Right. It's almost like, remember when Gary Panther was soliciting, you give him three words, He's going to draw you something fly. Mm -hmm. And off the bat, this is as rigorous as any James O'Barr piece I've ever seen, man. A lot of penmanship, brush thrown in there, super cool hatching, tight. He never, it never gets away from him. This, um, a little bit of background about this piece. Yeah. Um, he used to sell on eBay and his website. So it was like, you know, linked together. And he would do commissions through there or just do pinups or drawings or sketches. And sell them directly. I don't know if that exists anymore, but I think at the time this was extremely affordable. We're talking like uh, around a hundred bucks, maybe. Uh, so there's stuff that was out there, but you know, it might be hard to pick up this stuff nowadays. Very informative to look at. Uh, I'm seeing him put the shoelace, the boot laces in there with white media, mm -hmm. cutting in cat whiskers with white, kind of softening the edges of the forms of these thighs and legs, knees, whatever, with the white. Deciding to slow down, you know, don't push the shadow, hatching out too far, tighten that up a bit to the character. It is what you want in a James O'Barr, because when I think of the crow, whenever we went through the crow, he is using like every black and white tool you can think of to use. And a lot of that's on display here. Like when you get into her leather pants and stuff, you see like the big heavy brush strokes compared to like the finer hatching or pen marks on like on her flesh. And uh, if you're gonna get a James O'Barr, like that's what I would want is having that full range of what he's drawing with, all his textures, all his values. And Ed, you talk about softening this stuff up. I love when the line drops out and now it's just mm -hmm. the cross hatching that's gonna define the back of that knee. Those big expressive eyes, like I corresponded with him a little bit after we did like the crow or um or that like what was the junkie wily coyote joint oh yeah yeah i'll never think of a title and we, we mentioned um manga as influence and he was like when masamuni shiro came to america those eclipse books revelation so we were spot on with that and this is like his version of you know he's not going to go full you know sailor moon with the eyeballs mm -hmm. but very big expressive james obora eyes and then we got like meditations or some shit mm -hmm. Yeah, he talks about like being inspired by, uh, you know, the Darwin Cook Catwoman series. And man, I see this and I think like, how does no mainstream editor hire him for covers or something? If right. he's interested in it and this is what he's capable of drawing, how does that guy not have some, some patron at one of these companies? I mean, like, let him do some Catwoman covers, you see this. Yeah, I yeah. just had the name Joan Jett in there. So, you know, he would, he would use 
real people, you know, um, Iggy Pop for The Crow and stuff. Uh, exactly. Joan Jett inspiration with with the character here. Mm-hmm. Let's keep things rocking because we got we got we got some shit to look at, man. Yeah. So Noah Van Skyver spent a little time in uh, Columbus. What are you about yeah. to say to me? Oh yeah, you're good, bro. So you know, it's like Noah moved to town. And then we became amicable. He like lived in my building. Remember when we went to show up at his crib? Like, yeah. And then <laughs> you were like, "Where's my shit?" He was real scared. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and came to Clovis and shook him real quick. One of the drawing out of him. <laughs> no one ran back in. But you know, we love him. That's our brother. So like, what this is from actually is my birthday. So this year, at that year, um, I don't even know if it's dated. Twenty seventeen. Thank you. Yeah. So that was like what. Five years, so that was I was like 36, 30, you know, 35, 36. And so, this is actually a character that I'm working on uh, for my next graphic novel, hopefully, uh, Rita's Dream. And so, Noah obviously nailed it um, with my look alike. You know, he got some laser disc in there, all the, all the mossy tropes, you know, with some IPAs, <laughs> you know, <laughs> all the mossy tropes. Uh, the great thing about this is because it's like so personal and so cool that, like, I've actually never showed it publicly, so I'm like honored to show this today, you know, because this actually, I would say Noah, to see Noah do this, it kind of shows his ability, like how, how far he could push it. And this is very not Noah. So to see him actually paint, you can see that like his background and his skills, it's pretty impressive. This reminds me, man, because I remember that studio and when you guys lived in that building, and I actually have an apology to make, man, because I, I didn't realize, I would apologize off the bat if I was in the spot and recognized it, but I bumped into one of your canvases and I had oil paint oh, on my shit. pants, man. I'm sorry that I got your paint on you, dude. I'm sorry that I fucked up one no, of your no, paintings, no, 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 no. man. It's all good, it's all good. Cause like, it was on the ride home and I'm like, what? And I'm yeah, like, oh no, I touched one of his canvases. <laughs> what did hilarious. I do? Yeah, no, no, I didn't even know this, bro. <laughs> it's a nice thing with getting these one-off pieces from artists because you do have a chance then like, oh yeah, no, I try something different here. Yeah. That always makes these kind of pieces really cool, you know, mm-hmm. like from a collector standpoint. And if, um, just uh, to f- resolve this one, if you guys check out, um, I think it, uh, his Blamo 9, he documented his time in Columbus, so you'll connect this to that. That's cool. That's yeah. Really fun. It's like a little Jaime piece, man, 2019. Whenever Jaime shows up at a con or something, you know, the weekend before or whatever, he'll draw five, ten pieces on a piece of paper like this, you know, some heavy, heavy Bristol. It'll be the... The Hallmark characters, you know, be Hopi, Maggie, Rand Race, Penny Century, like the ones that you want to see at Izzy Rubens or two. And uh, it is no different than any piece of art on any of his comic pages. The same thought level and the same um, dedication and the same uh, delicacy in terms of where he's putting those lines, the sensitivity of where he's choosing to put those lines. It's, it's all in here. And you could see it, like when you get that Jaime Hernandez um, studio edition and you see the toil that he goes through when he's putting that figure together. He's not one of those dudes that that um, draws a rough, draws a pencil, and then inks it. He meditates on it for a while, man. He'll do his pencils mm-hmm. and let it be, let it marinate, come back to them, look at it with fresh eyes, adjust things. So you could see that breast line a little too far out. You know, he decided to pull it in a bit. Mm-hmm. You could see that a little bit on the thighs. And that's the shit I liked in that artist edition where it would be like, a Maggie thigh, it would be the final ink line, maybe two other whited out joints where he just didn't like how 
skinny or big it was, and then maybe a little bit of pencil ones in there. And it's a pen nib. You know, yeah, he's yeah. not drawing this with a marker or a ballpoint pen. Like, this is drawn with those real tools that he's drawing his comics with, and you get that little bits of, like, subtle line variation that probably on screen look just like, you know, solid lines, but you look at it here and you can see that variation. And where I really see it is in his signature. It's almost like calligraphy. Oh, yeah. The signature part yeah. down with that line. Such... Like the line, it, there's a Schultz component. It's so mm -hmm. organic, and and like you said, like from this distance, from to, from the camera, it's so um, precise, yeah, right? Tightens yeah. up. But you can feel the organicness, and how the like the back of that knee, how it like flattens out. It gets a little fat dab. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really rich stuff. The um, what you guys would probably like to know is like the idea of like collecting this kind of stuff is actually pretty easy to do. Um, typically, artists will have pieces like this available for sale, and I'll be transparent. Something like this was like only like a hundred bucks, but to have something like this in your collection that's simple, you know what I mean? It actually is very effective as a collector, and plus you're supporting the artist because like, you know, his pieces sell for a lot. Oh yeah. So like, you can actually like have a part of that. That's pretty generous of the artist. It honestly. absolutely is. It's, it's unbelievable that because because he doesn't have to. He doesn't have to, and he does. You know, he'll do. It's like his thing is like you know it'll be cool to come back home with like a thousand dollars, like a exactly. thousand extra bucks, and, yeah. and he'll do like ten of these and put them out on SPX whenever mm -hmm. he's doing his one hour signing at the Fantagraphics table. Yep. Fucking people come lunging, scooping these up. A you know ASAP. You see the greatness of his black and white. Also, you know, just the solid black is enough to give that drawing that extra oomph. Mm -hmm. And also little things like this, like exactly. that one little sock thing. Yeah. Just adding that little piece of humanity in there. I've become a big fan of these single illustrations as well. You know, Brian, you talk about it as a collector. Um, I used to only want pages. Yeah. You know, like, I yeah. just want a comic book page. I want lettering on it, you know, all that stuff. And I started to see people who would collect this stuff because a lot of cartoonists will supplement their income with illustration jobs and then you can find those at shows when you see them sometimes where it's like a bunch of one-off drawings right. and they actually look great. You know, like you frame mm -hmm. that and put it on a wall, it's actually this beautiful image. Probably makes more sense to your average person exactly. if it in your place. Totally. But uh, I've become a big fan of that kind of like single illustration and they're instructive for composition. Exactly. You know, that's what you get when you flip through his books of these characters where it's like every single page looks beautiful and it's just these like single isolated figures. Let's show the Al Columbia real yeah. quick. Man. This is great stuff. <laughs> this is probably the first Al Columbia original I've ever seen. You have to touch it. Yeah, <laughs> go for it. It's funny because he's notoriously known for like destroying his work, right? You know, that could be rumored, but we've heard it. We've located okay, that. We call that in yeah. his parts. <laughs> exactly. Hey, you can see it in Pim and Francie. You know, yeah. like, there are torn pages that are like Aaron pieced back it. together. Yeah. And so with this, you kind of think like, the reason I started getting into um, Al is because it's one of those things where his work, with him uh, getting work really young and being under Bill Sinkovich, that's just like, like an 18-year-old, like, come on, B. Like, that's insane, right? And then just to go off and do your own thing. And it's and we were talking about it earlier, but it's like he's applying those same techniques that he've learned and developed over time, but now it's just like not scrambled, it's like more organic. And just the nuance and the patience of doing something like this is kind of nuts. You know what I mean? Yeah, he's really figuring out his kind of like Fleischer Brothers fuzzy background there. Mm -hmm. Can we get the print version uh, yeah, of this? It, it reminds me of like this. Oh, here it is. This is his mature is. period. 
you know, like I think of like biological show and, and stuff where it's more line art in a weird way, more like uh, indie or alternative comic book style. And then he starts bringing in the charcoals and the washes and the Fleischer Brothers influences. And I think like that's where he becomes himself. Mm -hmm. Like he's no longer in the shadow of Sienkiewicz or, or anybody else. It's just him like really doing something that nobody else in comics is. And I remember when this stuff started coming out, like uh, there was a blab story, the trumpets they play. Uh, it was like one of the best of stories I the year it came that. out, and yeah. it was this style. And all of us on like message boards are like, "How is this? How does he yeah. do this?" And it was our dismissal was, "It's a lot of Photoshop, oh, right?" You know, like anything we could tell ourselves is to like yeah. some gimmick as to how he it can get like... to this point. And then you would see like some of the originals would surface, and it's like it's all on the paper. Yeah, and it's it blows my mind. Like I don't, I can't even tell you the list of materials that's on that page. Exactly. Yeah, and being a dis being uh, like a student, and my discipline is material. It's kind of nuts the choices he makes, and you guys won't be able to see them on camera, but we'll um, point them out and everything like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like uh, the one piece you pointed out, Brian. First off, it's inverted, mm -hmm. so you know, point out the obvious. But there's 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 pencil line yep. on top of the texture of this dirt road. You see this jagged pencil line. They blow out the levels a little bit. You, it, I mean, that's very clear on the piece. And that pencil line now becomes, you know, a tire tread. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's intentional. Like he understands how every step of the way. And I'm not romanticizing it, but it's like that's that's a level of confidence and understanding that is beyond you know, any traditional hack in comics, you know. And now there is Photoshop happening, because we have some... some a little cleanup. Yeah, cleanup mm -hmm. work that's being done on the edges. He also, I think of this stuff, and I think way ahead of his time, because now we're able to, like, reproduce almost anything. So, like, I can draw on ballpoint pen, and I can print that, and it looks right. Mm -hmm. You can draw on colored pencils, kids, you know, crayons. Anything you want to use, you can now do. That was pretty new in like the, the late 90s and early 2000s when he really starts bringing this style. Like he had figured out, hey, I can reproduce this stuff. Watch what I can do with these non-traditional exactly. materials or non-traditional approach. Now that's the norm. Right. But man, this stuff, revolutionary when Insane. he starts working in this direction. You start to really, when you zero in, like you start to see like the fidelity of this piece is so tight. Like there, there's maybe an intentional fuzz you see these very sharp whites here mm -hmm. that gets fudged out some pen line here that is not present whatsoever mm -hmm. uh, on the wood of the bed of that truck yeah if you look and so the way you'll know um a columbia piece is actually because it works on the same format every time and then if you flip it over ed you'll see he writes his signature extremely small um those because i do i'm a curator so those are the kind of things we look for that are consistent with like pieces when you're buying. Um, a lot of times uh, what you guys could do, you'll be surprised, I actually bought this off of eBay, um, which you would be surprised that there's still stuff out there. So Especially, I, was, I mean, this is a cover to yeah, a book. Like, exactly. This is a prime piece. Yeah. That's, that's amazing stuff. And I would recommend anybody watching this if you're unfamiliar with Al Columbia, we do have a video on Al Columbia on the channel where we get into like Pim and Francie where you see even more of this range of use of materials and styles. So check that one out if you're not familiar with Al Columbia. Celebrate Dave Cooper a little bit. Man. A friend Dave of the Cooper. show did a shooter interview with the man on the channel. He's another guy that works in a lot of materials and uh, a lot of different styles and it's great to see his like working out like a sketch page where yeah. you're seeing seeing some of those cartoon forms come to life. Mm -hmm. Another style, uh, yeah, that's what I was just going to point out, the cars. Mm -hmm. 
Signature stuff. 2017, man. Super cool piece. Got a couple crisp Chalos. Is that what we're looking at here? Yep. Ghost Rider Annual 1, page 25. Uh, Paste-up lettering, some paste-ups on the on the uh, monitors. Some of it, some of it uh, fell off. Yeah. I love seeing the pencil of these faces and stuff like underneath, you know, like his original intention was to have this character pushed over there uh, more. Love the Ghost Rider figures, really awesome there. Love the flame. Like yeah. Close up of seeing him do that, some dry brush and then get in there with like white splatter. Yeah, it's so iconic. With, with the paste up lettering, um, it's not it's not Janice Chang, so she's she's not doing the the job. But with the paste up, it's probably someone in New York, perhaps a bullpenner. Chris Pachalo is like Orange County, West Coast dude. Mm -hmm. So, in in the spirit of t saving time, he's probably drawing his whole shit, sending it to the uh, bullpen to have the final pieces done to it. And this is this is that early. But Chalo is probably after after Sandman and some of that mm -hmm. Vertigo stuff. Yep. Pre Generation X, when he really starts to get cleaned up. You know, he made a lot of sense for Vertigo mm -hmm. when he's like more rough around the edges and things. And then when Mark Buckingham starts inking him, not quite sure if this is a Buckingham. Uh, yeah, it's job, a Buckingham ink. But uh, it becomes more polished. Yeah, more uh, J. Mainstream. Scott Campbell mm -hmm. influence. You yeah. know, Joe Mad influence. It makes sense that he would be a part. Of that cliffhanger yeah. uh, imprint. The interesting thing is, like, you can just see the evolution. It's cool that these uh, are beside each other at this point because I think the difference is probably like five years. And it may not seem like much because he's using a lot of the same techniques that he's used, you know, previously. That's because it's effective. But a lot of it's like pushed further with like things where it's like blown up really close zero um, yeah exactly versus there to there right it's more narrative this is like okay let's bring it for for fully to form you know more confident using this pacing yep. up right there mm -hmm. actually it's so weird like it might be like a light box piece yeah like it's it's i think it's ink twice i don't feel it pasted up there mm -hmm. yeah the nose shadow a little bit a little bit of variation on a couple of the small details in the mouth just slightly different those fucking 1990s, man, with this texture. <laughs> yeah. What are you, what are you guys doing? So <laughs> that was that was in a lot of that um that Kelly Jones, Terry Beatty, shit. Like, what is yeah, that? It's funny to think of who's looking at each other at different time periods. Yeah. Bachelor is so uh, prolific. You know, like I didn't even know about this Ghost Rider annual. You were talking about a few of the Marvel annuals that he did. Mm -hmm. um, I always say like we're the first kayfabe effect, you know. Like this is some stuff that I plan to track down before we make this video live. Yeah, totally. Uh, but it's great to find this stuff, and this is my favorite period of him. Yeah. Because he does go through very different stylistic, you know, forms in his career, and I feel like this is a sweet spot. And it might just be this is when I first encountered his work, so that's what I gravitate towards. But it's cool to find like new stuff, and especially the annuals are nice because it's a big chunk. Yeah, exactly. This was such a specific era too, because I remember going to the Pittsburgh Comic Con and, and guys who would do these monthly books, wait, they would have their whole portfolio full of like whole issues worth of stuff, and you could see the tricks mm -hmm. that they would use to turn out 22 pages in a month, like exactly. you know, blow something up real big. That was you know, such a part of the game. Like, how yeah. do you make it still look good and exciting? But have those tricks, you know, someone's like figuring out new ways to do those tricks. I was watching a wrestling documentary and they were talking about that, you know, the, the guys who, it's being creative, you know, yeah. in that, especially with a monthly book, like a 60 year history of doing this, what can you bring to it that is 
time effective, but also something new and, and that looks good. Yeah. And I think he did that because he did Gen X monthly for a couple years. Oh yeah. Let's jump to animation real quick, man. A little Satoshi Khan. Yep. Conversation we could have, man. Perfect blue piece. Mm-hmm. So I got that as a gift a couple of years ago. Well, actually, no, last year. And so I don't. Satoshi Khan's like my favorite uh, Japanese creator in general, yeah. you know, and so very heavy, very inspirational for me. So this is like one of those personal pieces for me to have like a part of that, because like Ed, you have the an Akira cell, and it's just like it's not you can't get it. It's just not available. So if there's something that you're really passionate about, like you know, take that dice roll, take that gamble. Perfect pays off. Is a, is a is a is a perfect movie, man. Anybody. You know, if, if if people dismiss anime, you put that one on oh, for yeah, them, and, totally. and and they're they're on board. This girl, this is like right mid fucking. <laughs> yeah, we know that psychotic scene. breakdown. <laughs> right. And I always like this thing. Ralph Bakshi hooked us up with some stuff, man, and he he did the same deal where it hooked us up with a um zero color Xerox of the background piece, mm -hmm. so that it whole it works as a whole unit. One thing that I really dig about this acetate is that uh, you get you get more than uh, than you need. Mm -hmm. And here are the like the the aims, you know, whole, whole punch things. Uh, perhaps it's for because this is a theatrical release, mm -hmm. so you need that space for you know characters exactly. to be able, able to stretch a bit. Brian, you mentioned Sato Ishikon being one of your favorite uh, anime mm -hmm. directors. Can you talk about the qualities in his work that you that you? Oh yeah, totally. To? Yeah, so it's pretty funny because uh, he's like this um, nonlinear narrative storyteller. And so the idea is what he's known for is like his editing, right? So when you watch that, it's so, it's jarring sometimes, but the narrative stays consistent that it's almost something that you can do in comics or it's almost how I like read comics. So what I do, I, a lot of times I'll just spread out tons of comics, you know, and then I'll just go through them and point out things or like things about it or like, you know, indulge it. And Shatoshi Khan has the ability to do that visually, right? So that allows you to like, really watch any of his films and you can like turn off the sound and just visually it's going to be interesting just because of the way he edits you know and i think that's a it's a nice way to as a writer have to think about storytelling right because it's challenging you and it's forcing you to consider like your approach changing the aesthetic or like making a decision to make it, you know, whatever case you want to be if you want to tell it linearly. But just the idea of him wanting to slice it up and remix it, you know, I think you guys could get a lot of inspiration and creativity out of this guy. Such a visual storyteller too. Like the mm -hmm. visuals are so rich in the, in the movies that I've seen of his. Mm -hmm. All right, where should we British, go? Some British. British invasion. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> you know what, man? We'll, we'll end with some color. Okay. We got that Dr. Fate, like the Brendan, is this Brendan McCarthy solo? Mm-hmm, yeah, he did everything. Uh, go ahead and actually open that up, Ed, because he's using a lot of uh, uh, ballpoint, not ballpoint pen, but like just like a Sharpie, it seems like. And so I'm curious to, if you guys can point out what he used on it, actually. It's such a curveball since he's a British creator, like they may have some pens and tools over right. there that, that we don't have. <laughs> Yeah, you can definitely see marker, you know, in some of like the thicker black areas look like it's filled in with markers. It doesn't even feel like Bristol. It feels like, no. a, like a Bond paper. Mm, yeah. I feel like I drew on some of this stuff when I was in Denmark and just pulling out like their printer paper or whatever right. I could get. Mm -hmm. Right. Their, their version of cheap paper. A little bit better than our version. So what you'll um, notice is like when you look at Brendan McCarthy's work, it appears very dense. 
So the important things that take away from this is kind of like the how he treats the line, right? He's not really, con it doesn't, it seems like he doesn't really care, but it's intentional, right? He's comfortable with it being really loose. And so it's one of those things where like getting access to like the black and white page just takes out all that noise a lot of times that he likes to add to his art. Yeah. And you can really get into like and appreciate like his technical ability, you know? Because sometimes I would say the color takes away from his actual talent, you know? So this is a good example. And this is a period too where the color is very, very dominant. Exactly. Yeah. I like that, uh, what you say about his line work. Because in some ways it has that dumb line quality, even though there's probably a little more range in this line work. Mm -hmm. But it doesn't feel like that sexy kind of like feather, you know, exactly. thin, thick, thin. And when you get into like some of the looking closely at the line, it's almost sketchy, mm -hmm. you know. And I think that's something I often find appealing. And I don't know if that's because like if you're if you're someone who draws, I think there's a certain way to connect to that. But it, it does make his line work unique. We're looking at like I said, this bond paper, and it's some kind of a fine liner, felt tip, something. At the end of each of these lines, there's a bleed yeah. uh, mm -hmm. from just the tip of that marker, like touching the uh, the paper. Um, another thing I'm surprised at is there's not much whiteout in this compared to a lot of the art we, that we look at in general. Um, and he's using it um, very traditionally, just as um, taking out mistakes, which is kind of funny because you would think if there's anyone to experiment, it would be him with that kind of stuff or to push it. But it's very conservative in the sense of his what I've known for. Just so there's, much direction. Oh yeah. Thanks, thanks to these kind of webs and sinews. Yeah, it really carries through this whole page. Like even the, the lower tier has that quality. Um, erased pencil or is this like a printout do you think yeah, of like a light sure. pencils underneath there but you can see it once you start looking it's like a second mm -hmm. layer of drawing and it's it's strange where the the line work is that mm -hmm. that remnant of pencil where that's at the reflection of this creature in his mask absolute beautiful drawing yeah that's like something that i'm not confident enough to do at all right like i'm like because mine would just look like a penis on there so <laughs> it's like <laughs> yeah it's really bold and he does it by making a lighter line for yeah. it uh you know there are ways to do it it's so cool how like the vacuum that mm -hmm. is coming from this this hole is really sold by these bolder lines yeah and the way that they're going i don't i can't think of other situations where you would see them be so chaotic in there and it makes so much sense like there's wind and sucking from many different angles. Usually it would all be at some center point and you just use some kind of French curve or something. And I, I think this page is actually like pretty, to me it's, it, I find it to be very important because a lot of times when I would look at McCarthy's work, it's like, I would, it would seem kind of like, not burnout, but like that he's not, it's just like clockwork for him. But I'm completely was flabbergasted just by like, oh no, it's very intentional. You know, he's very confident. So there's a lot in this that I picked up along the way. Yeah, we interviewed him and, and he said basically that, you know, he wasn't willing to starve anymore. You know, he did, he did su that super rigorous, you know, freak wave, that, that the early right. works, the stuff that was collected in Eclipse and things, mm -hmm. and uh, was living in poverty doing that you know like busting his ass and mm -hmm. presenting that to the world and he's like you know what i'm older now like i'm not gonna do that i'm yeah. gonna you know do my best with the time that i have available mm -hmm. and the money that i'm being paid and this you know this is what you get mm -hmm. so he is very conscious of yeah all of that stuff when you said intentional i thought you were gonna say intense 
because this page feels <laughs> so intense to me. The line work on here, and it's pretty cool to see how it comes like from chaos into like order. Yeah, uh, as the page progresses, you know, there's 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 an arc just to this mm -hmm. page. Think about what other artists would do though, real quick. And like this would all this would be black. That would be black. All those little lines would have drop shadows behind them along the wall. Like they would just like make it so theatrical that this is just like a nice, solid, get it done kind of page, you know? I love how tight it is around like that. <laughs> yeah, Almost I no margins, you know, like actually. you're gonna fill up your space. And it speaks to whenever, uh, I think young artists want rules for, for how to make comic pages and stuff. And just from showing this like random collection uh, in this video, you can see how there just aren't a set of rules for this. You yeah, know, if you're at well home said. and want to make comics, like, make them. Mm -hmm. Like, you, you really don't have a set of rules behind this stuff. All right, man, let's close out with the Shaky Cane piece, man. I guess he was selling a bunch of stuff very recently. Yeah. And this is probably your most recent acquisition yeah. of all the stuff yes, that we sir. got here. Judge Planet 2, page 6 of... Six of one, because it's Shaky Cane. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> Lettering on the acetate. Man, good page. Yeah, Ryan, I did the distorted figure. What a cool like two yeah. third splash. It's wild because once again, somebody was shanky. You like think like, oh yeah, haphazard, like whatever, messy, just like oh, probably like draws like me. Like I'll step on my page. I don't care. Like, but it's like no, this is so controlled and so tight, but so free. So it's like it's very inspiring in a lot of weird ways. The background is pasted up. Mm -hmm. This imagery, and maybe some of that is inverted, you know, on the printer. Yeah, that's what it looks or like. Or Xerox machine. Mm -hmm. I think he draws a lot, uh, like, kind of separate pieces, and then does play with the Xerox machine mm -hmm. to, like, kind of assemble these figures or to enlarge or reduce. I love that you get to see his color because that is... I like I like Shaky Cane a lot, and seeing like this approach to color to me is a revelation. Is this like tempera paint? Uh, yeah, or gouache. It looks like gouache. Has a chalky mm -hmm. feel to it. Yeah. It's so funny that we, you know, there's a pace of lettering. I don't know that they make registration dots right. anymore. <laughs> it would come on a roll of like a like a scotch tape, and you would have you know your bullseye marks, your crosshair. So he literally has to just put X's, mm -hmm. and uh, when this goes to the printer, when you're scanning it, you want those X's to line up, yeah. and that lets you know exactly where the top layer should hit on the uh, on the composition mm -hmm. for the uh, you know final print job. This piece of tape says 100%, and I was wondering when we saw this if this is actually the printed size, and it feels like it might be. Yeah, you know, it's like pretty he's, close. Again manipulating these pieces separate mm -hmm. and then assembling like a final page. Exactly. It is cool. I saw some of these listed on uh, Facebook, I think is where mm -hmm. he, he sold a bunch yep. of these. And uh, I'm so happy to actually see one in person. Yeah, totally. Kirby hand? Kirby, Kirby is DNA and shaky cane. <laughs> totally. <laughs> you can't escape it. What a collection, man. Brian Moss, thank you so much. A yeah, lot of inspiration pleasure. right here. Totally. For, My for pleasure, guys. Stuff on by. Unbelievable. This man. is a uh, cartoonist kayfabe test. If you're watching this video at home and don't feel like getting back to the drawing board, <laughs> you're not a drawer. Yeah, well said, man. Let's get out of here, though, and get back to the drawing board ourselves. Kayfabers, like, follow, subscribe to the YouTube channel. Hit the bell. We'll notify you when new vids are available. Jimmy, tell the people. Hulk Grand Design, Monster Madness, in comic shops right now, two 40-page issues telling the entire history of the Incredible Hulk, and the oversized Treasury Edition will be out in stores in January 2023, so pre-order that now wherever you get books so they know how many to print, and hopefully so that they'll make more Grand Designs.
Street Angel, Deadly Scroll Live is back in print from Image Comics, eight complete stories, full color, and I was out of print for almost a year. So pick that one up, it'll make a great Christmas gift for you or the action comic fan in your life. And join me on patreon.com slash jimrug where you can see a lot more of my comics and download some of my out of print comics and mini comics. B Moss, what do you have, man? We got Eightfold Path and we have Outer Heaven. Um, Eightfold Path you can get anywhere in stores, also order on Amazon. Um, Outer Heaven, you gotta come to me for that. Um, hit me up on Instagram, Strange Things Moss, or hit me up on Patreon at Strange Things Moss, and I'll get you a copy. Red Room, the anti-social network. Red Room trigger warnings. Murder on the dark web for fun and profit is the name of the game. Each of these books completely self-contained, so doesn't matter which one you see first. Scoop it up, give it a shot, you dig it, grab the other one. I am serializing new Red Room comics on my Patreon before they hit paper. Three bucks get you the archive there. That's all the material in uh, the trade paperbacks and these new strips every Tuesday. Three bucks is all it costs. Hit up my link tree. You able? You'll be able to get to all of all of that stuff. Jimmy, what else, man? Subscribe to the Cartoonist Kayfabe e-newsletter at the links below this video. You can also find Cartoonist Kayfabe t-shirts, hats, mugs, all kinds of good stuff at our spread shop, also in the links below this video. Another good way to support the Cartoonist Kayfabe channel. Given those marching orders, we'll be on our way. Make more comics.